Welcome to the Neurodiverse Toolbox with Sheila Kieschlin and Paige Kieschlin. Good morning, Paige. Good morning, Mom. Is it cold up there? In uh, Montana? Slight, slightly. When you're all like, you're wearing a hoodie. So I thought maybe it might be. So um, <laughs> I love that your boy, your fiance just ran out of the screen. It's only a podcast. <laughs> Nobody will see you. Um, so we are delighted to have a guest today. We have Tiffany Feingold from Guiding Bright Minds with us. And Tiffany, thank you so much for spending some time with us this morning. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. I appreciate you having me. Absolutely. So do you want to give us like the short ver two minute version of a bio? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Tiffany Feingold, I was actually born in Colorado, but raised in Wisconsin, um, moved back to Colorado. I have one son who's 10, amazing little boy, um, been married for 22 years, I believe this year. I should know that. Um, and about two and a half years ago, I launched my own company called Guiding Bright Minds. And then last year, um, a year ago, I am another co-founder of another organization called the um, Colorado Neurodiversity Chamber of Commerce. And so excited um, to talk about those organizations. Awesome. That sounds great. Yeah, I think you're the only person who's actually kept it to like two minutes or under because most of our guests are neurodiverse themselves and they kind of like spew their whole life story. Um, so <laughs> Awesome. Thank you. That'll give us more time to talk about um, your organizations and the stuff that you're doing. Um, so we'll start with our questions, though, that we ask everybody. So, okay. Um what is something you can't go a day without doing? You know, a day I cannot go without doing is giving my son a big hug and telling him how proud I am of him. Mm -hmm. I love that. That's beautiful. That's so cute. Um, what habit have you found that helps your brain the most? Oh, I, that's, <laughs> containing my brain is a feat in itself. It's very hard because I'm thinking all the time, analyzing all the time. And I've had to organize myself um, by lists. Um, so every morning I wake up or primarily on Mondays, I, I do a brain dump. Because again, there's so much going on in my brain that's overwhelming and overstimulating. And I literally do a brain dump where I write everything down personally, professionally, everything that I need to do. And then I prioritize it like high, medium, low. Um, because if I don't get it all out, then I get high anxiety and I just kind of swirl about, oh my gosh, there's so much to do that I can't get it all done. So organizing my brain is is definitely the brain dumps and getting that out and and then prioritizing. It's it's better to look at it on paper than to think about it in my brain. Yeah. Um. Okay. What are you excited about today? I'm excited to just let people know who's ever out there that they're not alone, that as a parent of a neurodivergent child myself, um, 
And yeah, so just to let parents know they're not alone, that this journey, that there's many of us going on it together. And the more we just support and collaborate and give grace um, to each other, um, just the better our lives will be. And that's what I, I hope. Absolutely. I think that that knowing you're not in it alone is just huge in and of itself, right? Or that if somebody else is giving you grace, then it's easier to give yourself some grace too, right? Like, oh, right. Okay. You know, it's an, I think it, parents especially need a nice reminder that it's okay. You're not going to know everything. Everything's not going to be perfect and, and that's okay. Right. Just no. get what you can and keep going. So, yeah. um, tell us, um, how Guiding Bright Minds came about. Yeah. So my first, you know, real exposure, I guess, to, you know, neurodiversity was my husband who is dyslexic and ADHD. So I got to hear from him the struggles. I got to see the struggles. I got to see his level of insecurity because of how he was treated in school from the teachers, how, you know, they did call him stupid or lazy and that he's never going to amount to anything and, and go through that. And that's heart wrenching and, you know, heartbreaking to, to see that. And, and again, to hear that from him. And then when we had our son, when he was about three and a half, he was getting kicked out of daycare and swim lessons and soccer and anything that was overwhelming and overstimulating. And then in half day kindergarten, he was in the principal's office pretty much every day. And we're talking about, you know, a boy that has such a zest for life, that has such an amazing brain that was reading at the age of three, that loved to learn and discover and was excited to go to school so his wealth of knowledge could continue to grow. And yet he was being stifled and the negative aspects were being focused on versus the strengths and the beautiful mind that he has and the ways in which he can contribute in such a positive way was, was all being just, yeah, pushed down and you just could see and feel the sadness and, and it was heart wrenching. And so as a mom, I was in corporate America at that time, working countless hours thinking how, how, why is this happening? And, you know, how do we overcome this? And that's when going through that journey myself, I'm like, there's gotta be a resource that helps parents, a place where parents can go, where they can find and connect with providers. That was the first thing I did was looking at how do I get qualified vetted providers? Why are they doing what they're doing? Why does occupational therapy help? Why does behavioral therapy? Why does therapy in general? What is speech language pathology? What does that have to do with my son who speaks well? You know, and why are they recommending that he needs to do that? And there's so much all the while that you're also kind of grieving for their pain. You're, you're trying to say, you know, my son doesn't wake up every morning thinking, Hey, I can't wait to disrupt the school. And I can't wait to get yelled at all day. And I can't wait to just have this, you know, label on my head. And, and I wanted to 
help educate and build a community that truly works together to say, you know, his behaviors are disruptive. Yes, I get that. But the more it's focused on, the worse they're going to get. So how do we channel it? How do we offer opportunities in which we can support him differently to where you never put him in a line? Because if you put him in a line, he is going to, you know, touch the hair of the person in front of him. He's going to walk in the back. He's going to create that. So why would we place him in a situation where we know he's going to fail in the ability to control his impulses? And so that spoke to me just from the heart and every ounce of my being of saying, this has to stop. Another child should not experience that. Another adult should not experience that. Another person should not have to go through this societal limitations of understanding the differences of the beauty of somebody's mind. Sure. Right. I mean, I think it's really um, what you're saying about your husband just really um, was interesting. Right. I think it's, um, and your son too, but like, I think as an adult to be able to express or for somebody who's not neurodiverse to be able to like really understand what the experience is like is sometimes difficult, right? So how did you find that experience or like what helped you understand that experience not being somebody who's neurodiverse? Oh my gosh, it was, it was it was hard because, you know, I do, I, I wonder though, if I do have ADHD, but that's a whole other <laughs> story, though I have great executive function skills, but that's where I think a lot of people are, you know, there's these stereotypes that go along with what a diagnosis is. And so I'm kind of going through my own personal journey, but watching him, he made me go to, he was speaking actually at Denver Academy on executive function skills, because I'm like, how do you not remember to take the garbage out every Friday? It comes every Friday, or we leave the house and we have to drive back at least three times. Oh, I forgot my wallet. I forgot my inhaler. I need my glasses. I'm like, how do you walk out without your glasses to begin with, you know, to be able to see. So my mind thinks in lists and that's where I'm constantly. And that's where like that brain dump I was telling you about, because it is overwhelming how much input is coming into my brain. So I'm constantly thinking ahead, like even a couple days, like, okay, we're traveling. I need toothbrushes. I make lists of everything. So I'm neurotic with that level where him on the flip side, where he'll just walk out of the house, not thinking of the lists of things. And so I went and, and he had me come to listen to him where I took off work that day to really understand that part of the brain, that it's not intentional, that it's just going off the seat of your pants constantly by doing, we're going to go here, we're going to do this. And there's not that pause to go through. So, right. This, you know, and space brain over that hierarchy, important base brain, right? Like, mm -hmm. yeah, right. So making lists and packing your bag, not so interesting, but dreaming and thinking about what you get to do once you go on vacation. Super interesting. Right. Right. Well, and that's for like even giving him grace though, you know, that's where just as a society as a whole is, is removing 
what we think, how we think somebody should be or act or do, or, you know what, it like truly to remove those blinders that we have on and say, he's not intentionally trying to be annoying. I mean, sometimes yes, probably, but you know, majority of the time, you know, it's, it's, it's not that. And it's also recognizing that it's frustrating for him as well. It's not a joy for him to drive back to the house and wasting time. It's not a joy that I'm nagging on him. Don't forget the garbage. I mean, that's not how he wants to live as well. So if we don't start compromising to say, I can give reminders. It's okay for me to help in certain ways that I might not need that help or those reminders, but it's okay because he does um, or my son does. And, you know, it is hard because he's 10, but, and I do have to constantly remind him, don't forget to brush your teeth. Don't forget to flush the toilet. And in my mind, it can get exhausting because you're like, okay, he's 10. Should he be doing that? But it doesn't matter what other kids do. It doesn't matter what society says he should be at. I'm going to meet him exactly where he's at and love him exactly where he's at. And that's what we have to do and change. Is, is And it's hard because I have my own family members that I have to shield myself from that'll make comments that ADHD is an excuse for kids to behave b- badly, that autism, you know, gives this also, ex- you know, and, and it's heart-wrenching that people have that mindset. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, use the word should. Um, I just like to say that's a ADHD curse word. Um, mm-hmm. Along it's- with must have to, supposed to, any of those words, like it's, uh, I did a men's group over the summer and they made up this list of ADHD curse words. And they call each other out when they use the words. It was so great. One of them be like, well, I'm supposed to. And they'd be like, nah, <laughs> they'd be all over each other. <laughs> great, right? Um, well, right, there's no... There's no one path to any destination, I think. And I think that's the, that's really what we're trying to teach society is that I can get to wherever I'm going by any path I need to get there, right? And there's no one path that we're quote unquote supposed to take or should take or have to take, right? Like, yeah, right. And, you know, using your family members to give you reminders for things, those are like, you know, those are natural resources, right? Like there's this whole idea in in the disability word for world for people who are physically disabled, disabled to use natural resources, right? So like, yeah. do you really need to go and climb the stairs to nowhere in physical therapy? Or could you you know, play wheelchair sports, which will also benefit your, your fine motor skills or whatever you're working on. Right. Um, and finding those natural resources. I think we all do that. Right. And I'm sure like maybe you're reminding your husband to take out the trash. That's fine. He's probably reminding you though, to like, take a break. You don't actually have to analyze and work all day. Have fun. Like don't be spontaneous. Let's write There is a balance there, right? Between between those two things. So tell me about like 
the person who reaches out to Guiding Minds, how would they do that? What kind of support do they find? Yeah. Yeah. So, so the first thing, whether you're at the beginning of the journey or in the middle or wherever it is, you know, there's constant changes in the types of services, the types of needs, what's out there. So on our Guiding Bright Minds website, you can find varying levels from early stages um, based upon where you are in that discovery process, knowing that, no, my child's now getting in trouble in school or there's social, there's academic things going on. You know, we start that process with some amazing tools and education pieces on there. So like talking about understanding an assessment, what is a medical evaluation versus an educational evaluation? What's a 504 versus an IEP? How to collaborate with schools and really work uh, on that advocacy part. So, so there's the first thing that I like to say we do is connect parents with professionals who are dedicated to helping their kids thrive um, in various capacities. So finding out what are the resources when somebody has dyslexia? Where do I, what is Orton-Gillingham-based reading tutoring? Why is that there and needed for dyslexia? Maybe my child doesn't have dyslexia. So we really want to be that one-stop shop that says, first of all, rather than going to Google to research psychologists and thousands pop up, we have those where I personally meet with every professional that joins our network because I want to find out as a mom, why are you doing what you're doing? How are you helping the child? How are you helping the parents? How are you helping the family as a whole? Because it's the whole unit that needs to be, that needs support that needs guidance that needs understanding and then that education piece of of just googling well potty training um googling back to school and transitions and just getting that level of again knowledge that helps I'm also going to be rolling out at the beginning of next year, a program for parents. Right now, all of our services are free. You just go to our website. You can find all of the um, educational pieces. You can meet all of the providers through that lens. And now I want to work on a program that really unites parents. Because if you are a parent of a neurodivergent child, you have to have other friends, other acquaintances of parents with neurodivergent children because language right like yeah. when you have a disabled kid or you have a kid who's neurodivergent i have both um it's almost like you're speaking another language half the time if you're talking about ieps and 504s and you're talking about pt and you know speech language therapy and that like everything's you know letters which is super helpful and they're all abbreviated with letters when you have ADHD or when you have dyslexia. Super fun for me. Um, so, so you need other people that speak that language. You also need friends though that don't speak that language, right? So you're you're not twenty four seven always in that world, but you do need friends and support of people who speak the language. Yeah. 
and they get it. And, and, and that conversation is different and more supportive versus, you know, sometimes when I have the conversation with some of my other friends where it's, it's almost a look of pity and it's like, I don't need to be pitied. I am proud and I love my son. I wouldn't change a thing except for the pain that he goes through because of society's view on him. But I love his brain exactly the way it operates. And that's what I want to change is how society views his brain of how it operates. Because every child, every person has gifts and they have opportunities. They have strengths. They have weaknesses. They have, you know, behaviors that are good and behaviors that are bad. It's just unfortunate that there's an extra added layer of attention because somebody has a diagnosis and that's where we need to change the mindset to Mm -hmm. say oh they're autistic that explains it no it doesn't you don't you know get to say that and be okay with that you know so that's where i that's why again i i say community so much because having this conversation is opening the lens to people understanding and, and parents need to do that too. And changing their mindset of, of saying that their child is lazy or being defiant or using some of those negative things because they don't know better. And, and it is hard when you see, like, I've seen my son, you know, just destroy things around the house. And I'm like, why, why would you want to do that? Like, he doesn't want to do that. And that's hard to embrace, but this is where we have to work at at knowing and understanding what that looks like mm-hmm. and, and removing the, the negative from ours. But that doesn't mean that we're not going to fail. So I mean, like it, it is overwhelming. And there's times where, yeah, I <laughs> I break down as a mom. I, I it's and it's OK. And that's where we have to be okay. And if you see that mom that's in the store that's disheveled and looks just like all, you know, chaotic, ask her if she needs help. Just put a hand on her shoulder say it's okay. Like, let's just support. Sure. Let's just, you know, figure out how to give that love and kindness. Absolutely. I'm usually the person that's like, I've been there. Right? There are kids full on screaming, lying on the floor, whatever, you know, in the middle of the store, you just, okay, I've been there. Like, do what you need to do, right? Like, sometimes you have to pick them up and walk them out of there. Sometimes you have to just sit down the floor and wait till they're done, right? Like, but you do, you get a lot of looks. And so I just always make sure I'm the person that's like, it's okay, you're doing the right thing. Yep, yep. Yeah. And they need that. They need that kind smile for somebody just to say, yep. Yep. Been there. Sure. Yep. Sure. So you're primarily working with parents. So is there an age range for like students or children? Because they're more than just students. Um, is there an age range of uh, children that you're working with? No, it's all ages, all ages. In fact, we're looking at one of the areas that I want to focus on because we know that there's a a lot of great and amazing work for the young kids. But as you get older and young adults and that transition, it's not as prevalent. So I'm really working like TACT is a part of the organization now. And if if you guys aren't familiar with TACT, it's teaching the autism community trades. So 
and anyone who's looking as far as mechanics, um, coding, they're even going to be adding a cooking school. They have music. I mean, there's so much and, and focusing on that support. We have a lot of um, schools and organizations now that are looking at helping through that transition to adulthood, that level of support. And that's where kind of the chamber comes in, the Colorado Neurodiversity Chamber of Commerce, because, you know, as a parent, I'm thinking, oh, we just get our child through the, the school system, right? Then they're going to be fine as an adult. Well, no. Mm -hmm. Time to find out the workforce is just, if not more stifling than the school systems. Sure, because you're professional. Yep. And if you don't fit in that box, I have another coach that I work with her sometimes, and she only does neurodiverse work coaching. Um, but her big thing is going in and talking to HR departments to be like, does it really matter if they get here at nine o'clock on the dot? Like as long right. as they work eight hours, like, why do you care if they show up at 10? There's more than one way to be professional, right? That's yeah. Right? School systems are starting to expand a little, but work is not there. <laughs> no, 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 no. And that's where having that lens of flexibility, because the, the, the reality, too, and I don't want to over glorify, but 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 it is a high reality of studies that have been done that when somebody's neurodiverse in a job place, you know, appropriately enjoying what they're doing, that their work can be up to 140 percent greater than somebody who's neurotypical because they won't be at the water cooler gossiping all day. They don't waste time. They get in there. They do their job and they do it. They're so focused on um, that level of creativity, the analysis, the building that. And again, I'm not I don't want to stereotype a group either, but but that is what we're seeing is that when supported, the success rates are off the charts with what can be accomplished through flexibility. And there's also a much higher employee retention, right? Higher. Why would you why why would you want to constantly be rehiring and retraining? Right? Like right. be a little flexible, keep your employee happy, and they will give back to you way more than what you're paying them, right? Way more. Mm -hmm. loyalty is huge mm -hmm. I just talked to a gentleman yesterday he's in his 40s um just this trajectory of this road he's applied for 3,000 jobs and I'm not even exaggerating and and just the limitations on the scope and he had that employer where he was slotted and on a good path to being in the c-suite position his manager ended up moving on a new one got hired said you're weird. You're not in alignment. And he was fired from his job. And it's like, it's, it's mind boggling again to, and so one of the things we do at the chamber is talk about biases. Like when you think of ADHD, what do you think about? What, what comes to mind when you think about dyslexia, what comes to mind when you think about autism, you know, is your first impression rain man. And that's all, you know, and that's all you assume, you know? So, so let's, cause it's okay. And I think that's where that fear is, is, is people don't want to say the wrong thing. So they'd rather avoid and not go through that path because then they're going to be criticized. And 
And it's like, that's where all sides have to give grace to say, people are trying, we need to learn. Somebody who doesn't have a personal experience with neurodivergence isn't going to go looking to understand. They're just not, that's not human nature. You know, I, I don't know what it's like to be in a wheelchair. I don't have that knowledge. I haven't sought to, you know, to do it. So, but if I'm an employer position, that's where opening the lens to say, you have to, but like, let's expand our horizons to say, you're missing out on maybe the best employee that you could have because of the limitations of not knowing. A hundred percent, right? Or being afraid of what you don't know, right? Right. We're often just afraid of what they don't know. Right. Which right? I always find shocking, right? Like, Paige has a twin sister who is a full-time wheelchair user and she's just the sweetest thing in the world. Like, how could you mm -hmm. be afraid of her? I just do not understand, right? Like, it boggles the mind. It really does, right? Um, so, so tell me about the chamber. How does an organization become part of the chamber? Um, yeah. Yeah. So the chamber, I, I feel that our chamber is is truly unique in, in how we're helping the community. And why I say that, because I look at it as, as truly three distinct areas that we're trying to work on and support. The first area is employers. Employers working with their team on how they hire. And when we have you know, and, and are working with employers and it's employers of all sizes. We have, you know, independent music therapists to Charles Schwab, um, Lockheed Martin joined. You have DIA, Denver International Airport, the um, DVR just joined. Then you have Tall Tales and Dirt Coffee, you know, so smaller, larger, and all vast variety of um, industries. And so, from that lens of helping the employers in understanding hiring, um, onboarding, their job description. I mean, starting first of all with the job description, but mm -hmm. supporting um, those employers, we have varying levels of membership opportunities for them. And one thing that we really hone in on is it's not just for your DEI team. It's not just for C-suite. It's not just for management. This is education and training for all employees, everyone. So when you're sitting next to a coworker, you can understand better on, on just what some of those differences might be. Also, what some of those similarities are. We all have, again, similarities as well and, and embracing that. So that's the one thing is the employer level of training, education, how to hire, how to retain, and how to motivate at a different level of that support. Then we have also the neurodivergent individuals. So we have membership for individual levels as well that's there. So that we can do training on interviewing, um, looking for the right job, advocating for yourself. Also, you know, being able to, to share and communicate effectively too with, I shouldn't say effectively, just, just communicating because we can't determine the effectiveness of how somebody's going to receive what we're saying either. Okay. But um, to, to work together, because I was talking to a manager and she never thought about neurodivergence and neurodiversity when 
talking to her employee who asks so many questions, has to dive into the details. And she was like, it was just getting annoying. I was getting frustrated. I told her to take a week off because I needed a break. And she's like, she had this epiphany. And I said, there's times in which you can explain and there's times you may not be able to explain, but that's where I have the conversation with your employee to say, Hey, you know what? I love the depth of knowledge of what you're seeking as to why we do certain things and why we do it the way we do. And your brain wants and seeks that information. Sometimes I'm going to be able to give it to you. Sometimes I'm not. Sometimes I'm just going to say, here's a task and we just need to get it done. And then maybe we can dive into it. But that's where the compromise on both sides, you know, having the employer or the manager recognize and saying, sometimes I can give it to you. Sometimes I just can't, but let's work together through this because she's like, to your point, the most loyal amazing, hardworking, dedicated employee. And you can't train that, you know, that's not trainable. That's just innate in people to do. So it's, it's honing in on the other skills and then supporting neurodivergent owned businesses as well. So those are the three key areas, but our website is cndcc.org. I will include both guiding bright minds and uh, the chamber when I in the description so people can have that contact information. Um, I think it's interesting that some people think they haven't come across neurodiversity <laughs> because the new statistic is actually one in five people are neurodiverse in some way and half of them know it, right? So if you're sitting in an office meeting with like 15 people, there's at least three people in there who are neurodiverse, right? Um, yep. Right? Even if you have a company that's only five people big, like one of you is probably neurodiverse. And I really like, I belong to a BNI group, which is a business networking group, right? And so we have a, we have a higher number there, right? Because working for yourself is something that's really attractive to a lot of people who are neurodiverse, right? So so there's a higher number, right, in in yeah. that group of people, right? So you have to think about the group of people as well. Um, and I just don't think that everybody recognizes every sign, right? Because they do have these stereotypes of what it means to be neurodiverse, right. right, for each of the diagnoses, right? You know, I think a lot of people think like, oh, dyslexic, you just can't read, <laughs> right? That's not true. That's not true at all, right? That's right. Like so far from true, Um Right. And so um, I love that you're educating all the employees because really the person in the cubicle next to you could be neurodiverse. Right. 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 And so, so everybody needs to be able, and I just think, you know, just as a human being, right. Like if somebody is having some kind of issue in the cubicle next to you, like you don't know what's going on. Maybe they're neurodiverse, but maybe like they just found out a good friend died, right? Like maybe, maybe something's just going on. Just, just be nice, be understanding, be, have grace for everybody, right? All the time. Um, yeah. What else haven't we asked you about that you would like to tell us? You know, I, oh, geez, I think. I think just a reminder to parents, you know, or just to yourselves is, is what, 
you know, as we're going through this journey, you know, identifying and looking at your situation only, looking at your spouse, looking at your children, looking at that core key piece to determine what do we need and and truly trying as best to remove the clamoring of the world around us, of those looks from people, of those, you know, comments and that you know that are there, the, the level of disrespect. I mean, one of the things that I did, dinner time is always hard. And so my son, you know, just forcing him to sit down, forcing him to eat, I'm like, why? Why does he have to sit down? Like, we'll play charades. We'll run around the table. We'll let him move and get up. And he's going to eat when he's hungry. He's going to eat. And and so for, like, Thanksgiving or big family holidays, you know, my husband and I made the decision. If he doesn't want to sit in that loud room with all the clamoring and chattering, and then he's getting yelled at because then he's getting louder, too, because it's loud. And he needs to get loud because that actually calms him down. And and then people are then, then he's on, you know. And, and I'm like, why are we putting them in this environment? Who is it helping? So we give them the opportunity. Do you want to be a part of the dinner? Do you want to, you know, eat, come in and say hi and allow him that flexibility and remove the anxiety of the pressure for him to perform through this and having people get irritated. So I would just say that that is look at, what your family, what your child, what your spouse needs and forget what everyone's else's expectations think it should be. A hundred percent. Yeah, no. And you know, you, this episode will come out shortly. So um, holidays are right around the corner and they can be overwhelming for sure. Right. Um, so yeah, making some kind of plan in advance is always good. Right. Like, yeah. 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 Self for situations. I think that helped me. Like, like every day I don't wake up thinking that I'm not going to have to guide my son into getting in the shower or doing things. I know what's going to happen. I know there's going to be a meltdown at some point. I know there's going to be, you know, a family gathering where things might get out of control or my son's um, anxiety heightens and his overstimulation gets too much for him. And, so prepare. That also helped me. Don't think that it's not because it's when you aren't prepared that all of a sudden, you know, there's going to be a mess up during dinner because all of a sudden you have to handle a different situation because that's where you can handle it with more peace and ease and calmness versus the reaction because everything's boiling over at that point. So just be mentally prepared that, hey, this could happen and this is how I'm going to handle it. And we can just walk away from the situation or I don't need to invite family members that aren't going to embrace the way we're handling things. And that's empowering and that's liberating. And we should be able to do that. A hundred percent what we did. We do not travel at Christmas because Christmas is the worst in the world. Um, But we don't invite anybody to come either. Like that is just our house. It's just a quiet, safe space. We watch movies, we eat food, we play games. We take people breaks as Paige used to call them when she was younger. Right. Like, and, 
like sometimes you even need a break from your own family. That's okay. Yeah. Right. And so, um, yeah, I think you're right. Like being prepared, knowing, knowing what the possibilities could be and having a plan for them. Cause yep. this happens for sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Our uh, neurodiverse family members, and I'm one of them, um, <laughs> do keep us on our toes, right? Like, yeah, for sure. Paige, do you have thoughts about our story about like what helps you or what you like to do or? I'm sorry, can you repeat the beginning of that? Do you have a like a thought or a story about like things that have helped you as you've aged and gone through a lot of these experiences? Mm. You definitely had a little ADHD moment there and floated away. Um, I know you definitely like would come home and always take a people break, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You'd always say hi to us and then I'm going for my people break, right? Which lasted mm -hmm. different amounts of time. So are there other things that you would do or plans that you would have for yourself so that like when things got overwhelming, you could do something to help? Um, the loops, those loop things. Loop earplugs? Mm-hmm. Or um, just like fidgets. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you always have a fidget with you, right? I mean, they're like, Anybody who knows Paige knows that she loves the fidgets. They're everywhere. They're in her pocket. They're in her car. They're in her apartment. They're in her backpack. They're in her purse. They're they're everywhere. Everywhere. They literally they are everywhere. Um, she probably has her hand right now. Um, I know. Right. I I only have one go to fidget. I'm a silly putty girl, but she has a lot of them. Um. So yeah, just like. Um. Having food, like little things of food, like on me, so like in my pocket and stuff. Or now that the store that I work at isn't as busy, I drink more water. Mm -hmm. Being hydrated seems to help. Yeah, yes. for sure. Yeah. Yes. I mean, good self-care always makes the brain work better. <laughs> for sure. Awesome. Well, Tiffany, um, thank you so much for spending some time with us this morning. Um, I will include those links in the description, like I said, but do you want to just save them too for people who are more auditory than, than want to read them? Yes, absolutely. So you can find Guiding Bright Minds at www.guidingbrightminds with an S at the end.com. Um, and then you can also find the Colorado Neurodiversity Chamber of Commerce at cndcc.org. Awesome. Thank you so much. We hope you have a wonderful day. Um, and I will email you when this episode comes out so you know that it's out. Um, but it will be like really soon. Actually, I think like next week it's slated. So awesome. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. Nice meeting you, Paige. You too. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. If you wanted to coach with me, see my information at bigbangcoaching.net. 
If you're interested in emailing us, you can reach us at the ndtoolbox at gmail.com. And if you wanted to see our website, please go to the neurodiverse toolbox.podbean.com. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Neurodiverse Toolbox.